Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And this is another midnight breaking news podcast, isn't it, Landon? Yeah, these midnights are getting awful old. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're awful old. I know. I can't stay up that late anymore. We didn't even really, we were going to do this podcast starting, you know, right after work, like a five or six o'clock. But we kept getting more and more information because this, of course, is about the temples. Cody Wyoming Temple and Heber Valley Temple. And so we just kept getting more and more information. And now it's like midnight. And here we are trying to bring it to you. And you, Landon, have been out of town for a while. <laughs> yep. Just got back. Uh, uh, did get to spend the weekend in Philadelphia. Uh, went to an Eagles game with my son for his birthday. So uh, wearing the, the Eagles uh, <laughs> shirt. Uh, we caught the plane back last night and got in at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, but as we got on the plane, we got the headline from Cody that's in the, the Cody Enterprise uh, that we're going to cover here. And also, we knew that there was another filing coming from the Cody neighborhood with the court. And uh, we got a copy of that. It was 118 pages. And I was reading that all the way back. Uh, and when I got done, I was like, wow, we've got to get this out as soon as possible, uh, especially with the Heber Temple vote coming up to tomorrow. Um, and so we want to try to get this out before that uh, to kind of show some of the things that are happening at Cody that look very similar to what's happening at Heber. But in this case, uh, we've got copies of the lawsuit that has texts and emails and they are whoppers. There are some things in here that uh, you guys are going to want to stick around to hear because uh, there are some things going on here, it appears, that should not be going on. Uh, and I think the Cody people have a really good argument. Yeah, no, that's great. And I guess when we say tomorrow for the vote in Heber, it's actually today because this will be posting be posted um, today. Yep. what will be the morning for us. Yeah. And I think what you're describing is we're kind of like mail carriers, right? Hell or high water, rain, sleet, lack of sleep, <laughs> red eye flights. We are still going to podcast the information because it's so important and just... Uh, we actually have been extremely surprised by a lot of the things that we have come across, like really surprised. So enough of this teasing, right? We keep talking about what we are going to talk about. Let's just talk about it. Um, this is an update, like I said, for the Cody, Wyoming and Heber Valley temples. And these are both, you know, in process. There are legal uh, maneuvering going on on both sides with these temples. Ground, well, ground has been broken on Hebron, but nothing has been constructed yet. So we're going to start out by talking about the Cody, Wyoming temple. And we've done several podcasts prior to this. Um, so if you'd like to catch up, you know, after the fact, we're going to link those in the show notes. But this is going to be the most current news as of um, today. Okay, let's look at our first slide here. Okay, uh, we're gonna start with Cody, Wyoming, and uh, we're gonna start with a day. Now, we just went to Cody uh, last weekend. Uh, we did. Uh, the weekend before this one, uh, and uh, got to do a visit there. A great visit, we stopped, saw BYP on the way up, uh, Backyard Professor, then we went uh, and saw uh, Yellowstone, got to spend a day in Yellowstone, then we uh, went into Cody and got to spend a day in Cody. And so this is a picture of us visiting Cody, and this is the temple site here. Uh, we took a is. picture at both night and at, and in the day. You can see that it's a, it looks like a wide open field. There's actually houses on both sides at the uh, ed, end of that. So this is a lot 
that's in between the two houses. And we're standing, you can see, by a road. On the other side of that road is a neighborhood. Um, and you've got, it's kind of a hill, and you've got houses up on that hill. And this is the view that those houses currently have. Uh, right. So and I will say that it's not um, at the end of a street or somewhere remotely. It's just literally smack dab in the middle of many, many houses on a smallish road. Wouldn't you say, Landon? It's just a two lane, very residential. And you kind of come around the corner and there it is all of a sudden, the open lot. And, and you can and see in. Oh, go ahead. Just before you get on that road, it narrows to a very narrow bridge mm -hmm. that's not a yes. full length bridge. Mm -mm. Um, now, the people would be turning off to the temple right before that bridge, but it's definitely a very uh, narrower and, and rural yeah. road, and it turns into a it turns into a dirt uh, just a, like yeah. 100 yards up past the, the turn into the neighborhood. So Exactly, and hardly any traffic. As Lennon said, we were there at night, and we were there during the day, and very few cars. Like, it's very, very light traffic residential, which of course will all change if the temple goes in there. So the one picture of course is at night, you can see the beautiful dark skies, like it's just pristine. In the picture, you can't see the stars, but it's just gorgeous as you can imagine. And then in the day, just a beautiful, beautiful view out into the Cody skyline and it's just gorgeous. And th this night shot was taken with a flash. Uh, we mm -hmm. did do a, we did a small video, live video or, or video we posted uh, from the site uh, where we didn't use flash and it's completely black. You can't even see yeah. us. It's so dark out there. And <laughs> Rebecca looked up and said, I have never seen this many stars yeah. in my life. It was nope. immense number of stars. You could see the galaxy uh, cloud. It, it was just incredible. Uh, uh, and And right then we said, this is not the place for a temple that's going to be mm. lit up. This is going to destroy what we can see here tonight. Uh, it, it yep. really became apparent right there. So, uh, so again, a couple uh, more shots uh, from the temple site. Uh, those trees right there are actually uh, a neighbor's house. Their yards there, mm -hmm. and the house is just off those trees. Um, and so, just a couple shots to show you again what that what that uh, temple site looks like. Uh, this was us. We went up into the neighborhood that overlooks the house, and you can see these relocate the temple signs. You can see just about every house on that side, almost every house on the other side also had these. And then on the Skyline Drive, as we drove up uh, to the temple site, the both sides of the road were just lined with signs saying to relocate the temple. It was clear that a majority, a large percentage of the people who are in this neighborhood did not want uh, this temple building to be uh, in their neighborhood. And again, not because it's a temple, but because what it's doing to their, to, to the neighborhood and the views they have and the night sky, it's going to destroy all of that. Uh, it, it really, it was clear it did not belong in this, in this setting. Yeah, it really had quite the impact as we drove up the street. Absolutely. You could, I mean, it's one thing to talk to the residents. It's one thing to read about it in, in articles, but to actually go there. Yeah, you really get the idea of what they're talking about and, and what they're fighting for. And it was funny because some of the residents, we talked to several of the residents and some of the residents told us the story of this uh, Lutheran church, uh, the Trinity Lutheran Church. This is not in their neighborhood. It, it was down on kind of on the other side of town. Uh, but they talked about how when the Trinity Lutheran Church wanted to put a sign in front of the church, 
the Cody City Planner, who's LDS, who uh, is going to be a main player in the, some of the stuff we we brought up, how he fought them uh, about this lighted church sign, um, and that uh, it that it didn't meet the code, and that they had to make changes, and that they fought over this for quite some time. Uh, so we we kind of took a picture of that and said, "Whoa, wow! This sign can't go in front of this church, but uh, a 110 foot temple lit up uh, can go uh, in, in the neighborhood." And this thing's clearly not over 20 feet. I don't know why they fought the sign or yeah. why he fought. I think so he said hard to... too tall and too lit up. I mean, up. I don't know that for yeah, sure. Probably. That would be pretty ironic if that were the <laughs> argument, but yeah, definitely pushback from the city planner on getting the sign, but they were able to get it. And it's a lovely little church and a beautiful sign. So interesting though. Yeah. The, the other oh. thing we, we passed the school there, and this is one of the arguments that we've heard as to why the temples should be allowed to have a 110 foot steeple because they passed an exemption for the school to have a bell tower. Mm -hmm. um, and in this case, this is a picture of the bell tower uh, that the school is probably about 30 feet high, about the same height as uh, I don't know if you can see my mouse, but uh, the temple here is about 30 feet tall. So this is about the same height. So you could see that it maybe goes as high as the, the second little level there is how high that bell tower goes, not 110 feet tall. And again, this does seem to meet the requirements for a uh, it's. It's not, uh, it's, it could be considered a standalone structure and mm -hmm. you can go above the roof line as long as it's, as long as it's uh, attached to the roof and, and, uh, uh, and part, uh, not, not uh, part of the, the, the structure itself it's sitting yeah, not structurally is the issue. And, and just to make it clear, you know, basically they're saying, Hey, you know what? There's a precedence for a variance on height. Look at our bell tower, you know, but as you can see from the bell tower, to me, apples and oranges, not at all the same. In fact, we just laughed kind of when we drove past it. <laughs> We're like that is not at all the same as the tower on the temple. And the tower on the temple is structurally part of the temple. It's not something that's freestanding sitting on top, like Landon pointed out about the bell tower. So sure, kind of an right. interesting justification. I don't think it really applies. Yeah, I, I didn't think so either, but that's one of the big arguments in the yeah. in the uh, thing. So, um, okay, well, this is the big, this was the big news that came out yesterday. Uh, we're going to read through this. Um, uh, this is the headline out of the Cody newspaper. Um, that came out yesterday, which would have been uh, what the what was the date yesterday uh, was. I've lost track of all time. Monday. The twenty fourth, I think. Would have been Monday. <laughs> yeah, the twenty third. It was my son's birthday. The twenty third. Ah, there yes. you go. Can't forget that. Um, and so we pulled that up. And uh, Rebecca, were you gonna? Uh, yeah, I don't have that printed off, so I'll let you read that. I had the other letter printed off, so. Okay. Um, so uh, this kind of tells the story, uh, and we're going to get deeper into this, but it says, in a draft report uh, acquired through the Wyoming Records Act, city planner Todd Stoll, uh, who's LDS, and uh, it doesn't say that, but it just want to put that, included a warning about uh, potential legal consequences if the Planning and Zoning Board decided not to accept his findings about the height of the proposed LDS temple. Uh, he said, if you do not personally agree with the city attorney or my interpretation that the Cody Wyoming Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints 
complies with the building height requirements of the Cody zoning ordinances, please prepare to be directly questioned in court to explain your logic and conclusion and why it is any more sound than that presented by your staff legal and planning, he wrote. This is not meant to be threatening, but simply letting you know the strict scrutiny to which your personal decision will be subject. Uh, so this is uh, this is the city attorney, city planner who's LDS, and he made an interpretation that 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 the tower did not count as as towards the height. So even though the building's 110 feet high, he says it complies with the 30 foot height requirement of residential areas because he doesn't consider that to count, and he's saying. If you if you vote against this, you better be ready to go to court uh, because you're going to get sued and you're going to be questioned as to how you could come up with this logic and this conclusion. I'm the city planner. I advise you. I give you the codes and then you vote on it. But I'm telling you right now, you're going to get sued, uh, basically. Uh, and he's the city planner. He's he's not representing the church. He's representing the city. Um, so it goes on. Uh, that warning occurred before the church filed its first lawsuit against the city, PNZ uh, board in late July. In his report, Stoll wrote that the PNZ board had uh, adopted his findings that the LDS temple height and city code, a statement that board chair uh, Carson Raleigh criticized in a subsequent email. That is complete and utter bullshit, he wrote about Stoll's finding in an email. It was clear that we did not accept his interpretation from the lack of, of motion on that item, and it was clear that we wanted to still debate the tower uh, in the temple uh, and its 101-foot temple uh, or steeple. Further in his email, Raleigh referred to the confusion over the temple issue and the return of his anxiety as well as his ex exasperation with the time-consuming process and with two city officials, Stoll, the city attorney, uh, uh, official Stoll and city attorney Scott uh, Kopicki. I feel deceived and that I can't trust the two people I'm supposed to, Rally wrote. And this was obtained in emails through the Freedom of Information Act uh, that the Cody Citizen Group got. So you can see that the that the city attorneys, uh, that the city planning and zoning committee are going, we don't trust the people who are giving us the information here on how to vote. Uh, because they felt, uh, at least in the case of Scott, that he had a conflict of interest. Uh, the cited documents, which were requested from City Hall under the Wyoming Records Act, include Stoll's draft report emailed June 16th to the PNZ board on the day after its June 15th meeting. A June 22nd email at 4.54 p.m. from Raleigh to Mayor Matt Hall and City Council Andy Quick, who also serves as council liaison to PNZ. And Hall's email response to rallying quick on June 22nd at 5:52 p.m. At its lengthy meeting on June 15th, the PNZ board considered motions dealing with the height issue three times, but made no decision. By those actions, Raleigh understood that the board had rejected Stoll's finding that the 26-foot-tall temple, topped by a 75-foot tower, fit the city's building height limit of 30 feet in a rural residential zone. The church contends PNZ approved the temple and tower as proposed. The opposition disagrees, and both have filed lawsuits about the issue. So, what happened is the the, the board the vo board voted, uh, but they the board believed that they'd passed the 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 uh, permits and the and the site plan without the steeple, 
the city planner, Scott Stoll, who's LDS, said, no, is no, no, no. Is it Scott or is it Todd? Oh, I get sorry, confused Todd. on uh, who Todd. it is. Yeah, I just, I'm sorry, Todd. To me. Uh, Scott's the, the attorney, Todd. Attorney, is, right. Uh, uh, Todd uh, said, no, you passed it. Uh, and he made the interpretation. We'll get into that a little bit later as to what happened there. Uh, but he made the interpretation that, no, it passed. Um, you guys voted for it. There was not that the, the steeple, the steeple was part of the plan and you passed it. Um, so regarding the draft report, Raleigh sent an email to Hall and Quick questioning Stoll's conclusion that when the PNZ board approved the conditional use permit, it also accepted the planner's height interpretation. Based on that, Stoll said the board would not have to consider LDS requests for a variance on the tower elevation. So Stoll said, no, you passed it without, we, we don't need to look at it. It's it's approved with the elevation, even though this, this, the planning and zoning commission was saying, no, we didn't. After criticizing the logic, Raleigh wrote, he is, he is to be our staff resource. He wrote the original staff report in such a way that presumed how we would vote throughout and at the very least in the past, he has always asked for clarification at the meeting before we vote or shortly after. And we consider if we may have unintentionally conflated our vote always. So he said at every meeting, he clearly comes out and says, this is what you're voting for so that we know what we're voting for and what that includes. And in this case, he did not do that. Uh, as if he was intentionally that, you know, the, the implication is that he was intentionally withholding how that, that, that they weren't voting on the steeple so he could reinterpret it. Instead, it is included in his updated draft for Tuesday's meeting and not a mention made to anyone. It was clear that we did not accept his interpretation from the lack of motion on the item. And it was clear that we wanted to still debate the tower item and then it's redacted. Uh, so the city attorney uh, evidently reviewed the release of emails and he redacted uh, certain things. Again, redacted uh, in the paper, but he says, but I do not feel like I have a resource in all of this that is clearly leading me. In other words, he's saying, I can't believe any of the city uh, resources, the city planner in making a decision because he's clearly trying to mislead the, the planning and zoning board. After another redacted passage, Raleigh wrote that the issue has become confusing. His anxiety has soared and his time has been taxed. I am very frustrated, he continued. I feel deceived and that I can't trust the two people, Stoll and Kopicki, I'm supposed to. I will push through and see this through, but this is not how the volunteer board is supposed to go. How in the heck are we ever going to get people to serve on the board now? I have no idea. Last spring, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints announced plans to build a 10,000-square-foot temple on a 4.6-acre site off Skyline Drive in a pasture north of the canal. The opposition launched a campaign urging the relocation of the temple and eventually organized as the Preserve Our Cody Neighborhoods Group. Last fall, the city issued a building permit for the temple, but the church hasn't broken ground so far. Components for the structure are... are uh, stacked behind the Y-Tech building on Bighorn Avenue, a company headed by the Glenn Nielsen, whose family dedicated the temple site. So the temple wow. <laughs> uh, components are already there uh, waiting yeah. to go on this land. And uh, you can see clearly from the emails that the city council uh, does not trust uh, 
either the city attorney or the uh, city planner. Now, the city attorney, it does not appear as LDS, although he is a contract city attorney. He doesn't work. He's contracted with the city to be the city attorney. And our understanding is he does a lot of work in the Bighorn Valley area for the school districts in the predominantly LDS areas. Um, and so uh, that, you know, uh, take that it for could what impact it. it. Yeah, could be, it could, could impact, impact it for impact sure. In there. Yeah, I think the whole article kind of shows just the frustration. And after the fact, after the vote, they kind of said, what did we vote for? Like they were very confused. And the whole issue, of course, is is the height, which they thought they were voting to allow permits revisit the height later, but no, it appeared to be a done deal. So a lot of confusion, uh, feeling manipulated. And I think we'll see that as we go forward, reading some of the, uh, where they give a legal response. Oh, there we go. Look right on cue. <laughs> yeah, so it's true. A legal response is filed by the Cody residents. This is what they do next. Now, if you watched our last video on this, the city has stepped back. They are no longer involved in any legal issues with it. They basically said we cannot afford to continue to fight this in our city. This will bankrupt our city. Um, and so they've stepped back. So now it is the residents, the Preserve Our Cody neighborhood residents who are continuing with legal response and legal action. That, that's right. And we they've actually filed two, uh, two different filings in response to the church. As you remember, the church sued uh, the uh, and, and they sued several, several times. times. There's like four different lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but twice they filed over, uh, a suit over the decision by the planning and zoning board. And these are uh, decisions that uh, they're taking the interpretation of the city planner, who is LDS. And we might mention that there's another uh, one of the planning and zoning members is also LDS. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll we'll talk about that, too, because we see emails happening between those two also between the church and the city planner. And then we have emails between the different planning and zoning members discussing uh, what what happened here. And you can see that there's that they there was clearly confusion on the board as to what they were passing, even among the members who even among the church member who was the one who who motioned every time to pass uh, anything that would benefit the church. He's LDS, a former bishop. Um, and he was confused as to what they passed. Uh, so it, it was it, it's clear here that there was something not amiss here as to how this went about. And, and uh, the emails, the emails show that. So the first one we got here, it's about 40 pages. This is the first filing. Uh, this has been filed in the court. It's public. The one we got last night is 118 pages long. Uh, I had to tear it. I've apart. never done so much homework. Yeah, I tore it apart. <laughs> not even in school. <laughs> just the major emails. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pull those up because they're they're so some of them are big enough, but they're so small and they're uh, uh, copies of of things that they'd be hard to read on here. So uh, these packets are legally filed. Uh, the, these uh, suits are legally filed. Uh, they're available for public uh, public to look at. And that is where we're getting this information that we're pulling out. So the, the first one we have uh, tells kind of what the arguments are going to be that the Cody's uh, neighborhood uh, attorney is going after. Uh, and then the second packet really had a lot of the emails that were really, to me, really damning on how this process went about. So uh the first thing I want to talk about, and this is really important, is the meeting uh, that 
that did that did not happen. Um, so it it did happen. <laughs> I'm and confused it, by the title. <laughs> it did happen and it didn't happen. Yeah, this is exactly how this kind of stuff happens. <laughs> so here's what here's what was supposed to happen. Uh, there was supposed to be a May 24th public meeting hearing uh, on the the temple and the the conditional use permit and the uh uh and it was supposed to be public it was it's basically the same thing that happened on june 15th where all the public came and heard what was supposed to happen and then the the uh uh board was supposed to issue permit or whatever uh but it was supposed to happen on may 24th evidently and here i've got the email um it's it's uh, for Matthew Burke, uh, who is the project manager for the church, it looks like. And he says, Todd, Todd is the city planner who is also LDS. So this is the church talking to the city planner, both LDS people. He says, thanks for talking with me this morning. Our request for postponing the public hearing on the 24th is to be able to give our legal counsel the opportunity to craft a response to legal, legal objections risen by community members. We request a, a postponement of two weeks for this. So he said, hey, the, the neighbors are, are raising legal questions and we need time to evaluate these and, and take these before we can come and give you a response. And so we're asking for a two week postponement to the public hearing. Um, now, if the citizens group asked for that, would would they've gotten the same thing? That's that's a big question to question. ask. But uh, so this happened on Friday, May twenty, uh, or this happened on uh, Mon uh, Monday, uh, May twenty second. Uh, is when uh, this is is going out, but evidently. He had already talked to the church about this, uh, and this is is really quite interesting. Um, uh, we we have another email here that that happened on uh, th this evidently happened on the twenty seconds when they asked, but he he tried to post. So when you say who, when you say he, who are we talking so about? That, just to so make it clear, Scott uh, or Todd, the the city planner had already put out prior to the to the church requesting a a, a a stay, I guess you could say, a postponement of the meeting, the the city planner who is LDS had already started postponing this meeting. There's an email here uh, from Todd uh, that happened on Friday, the Friday before, uh, the, so this was like on the 19th. On Friday, he let the council know that hey there might be a delay to this meeting that's coming up uh i'll let you know and he sent that out and one of the uh members of the planning and zoning committee responded and said um todd uh do we have to honor that request they may ask for it but you know this is planned everybody knows about it why are we at accepting that just because they asked for it and he said, what days are you available other than than the those <laughs> dates is what he responded with. And uh, the, the board member says, Todd, I'd appreciate an answer to my question, please. Do we need to legally honor the applicant's request for a postponement of, for a postponement 
of the public hearing. Again, he responds, when are the first few days after that you would be available? Thanks, Todd. Uh, and he responds, I'm away on business. I can't do it after that. So Todd, re the, the planning and zoning person's asking, I, I don't want to postpone this. Why do we have to postpone it? Just because they now want more time. And uh, Todd doesn't answer it. He won't answer his question. Instead, and by they, by they, you mean the people representing the church who have asked uh, for this time. Correct. The, the church, the church side of it. That's correct. Um, so interestingly enough, this text message goes out from Todd, the city planner. And here's a copy of the text message. It goes out to the bishops of the wards in the Cody area. And this is on Friday, May 19th at 4.42 p.m. So this is this is uh, at the same time that he's letting the board know uh, he's out sending e texts to the bishops of the ward. And it says, bishops, just talk to the temple department. Need you to hold off on reading that letter in sacrament. There have been some scheduling changes. We will keep you updated as soon as more information comes. Please disseminate to counselors if they are covering for you on Sunday. So the church had a letter, it sounds like, ready to go out on that Sunday to tell all the members to show up to the planning and zoning meeting that was supposed to be held on that uh, Wednesday on the 24th. The church uh, has is talking to the planning and zoning board and saying, oh, we're canceling the meeting. And he sends a text to the bishops telling them not to read the letter on Sunday. Meanwhile, the planning and zoning board's going, we don't want to cancel it, or at least some of the members are saying we don't want to cancel it. And yet he's sending out things to the bishop saying, oh, we're canceling the meeting. Bishops, please announce the following on Sunday. The Cody planning and zoning meeting regarding the temple, which was scheduled for Wednesday, May 24th, is going to be rescheduled. Therefore, the open house on May 23rd will also be rescheduled. So he personally made the decision, it sounds like, to change the meeting to give the church extra time to make their legal arguments against the Cody people, even without consulting the planning and zoning board. And when the planning and zoning board asked him specifically if they had to uh, honor that, he refused to answer their question. And he's supposed to be the person advising them on how this process works so that they can make uh, the, the choices. Um, I can see why they'd be confused over that. And I can see why they'd be confused that information was being given to LDS bishops that really should be kind of internally uh, handled with the planning and zoning board and the city planner together before it's put out, you know, to the public telling them that a meeting is canceled. That's really interesting. Yes, uh, absolutely is. And then he, uh, uh, the, the guy who was pressing it actually writes a letter uh, to the mayor saying, um, and this is somebody on the planning and zoning board that is confused and he the, wants the, to the, the, the press the issue a little bit. What's going on? The delays um, uh, was specifically asking uh, and went to the mayor and said, uh, this is uh, this is not right. Uh, we're we're not getting answers. And I'm uh, I'm I'm filing an official complaint that I'm not getting an answer as to whether or not we have to uh accept this um so uh he he takes that uh uh, uh very 
direct and, and takes it right to the mayor. I'm trying to find that one. I've got so many different ones here. <laughs> Uh, but uh, you're like a mad scientist with papers everywhere. Yes. So, yeah, and it is interesting to piece all these texts and emails, of course, that were, you know, that were acquired through, you know, the Freedom of Information Act. But you can kind of piece together just kind of how it all is behind the scenes where you have a board that's a little confused by what they're being told and by some of the processes and procedures. This person on the board is actually even going to the mayor saying, I'm confused. What is happening here? So, it just sounds like it's a little chaotic and a little yeah. not business as usual. Like something is is a little off in what's happening. And, and this is an e another email from Todd. Um, he says this email. This is to the planning and zoning board members. He says this email is being sent to the planning and zoning board. I'm sure you are anxious about the upcoming public hearing for the Cody Wyoming Temple. Attached is the initial staff report I have prepared that was intended to go out to the general public today but is being held while the applicant decides whether they are going to ask for a postponement, postponement of the public hearing. I will likely hear about that tonight or tomorrow. This is on Friday. This is the same day he's already sent an, a text to the bishops telling them it's postponed. He's already <laughs> told the bishops that it's postponed, but he's telling right. them that, it, that they're still waiting to make a decision. And we find that it's not till Monday that, they, that he hears officially from the church that they're requesting the postponement, but he's making this request on in their behalf. Uh, then he goes on and asks, what's your public availability for hearings on June 13th or 14th? He basically says, I have to advertise this post uh, uh, this meeting and it needs to go in the newspaper by 10 a.m. to hold the meeting on either of those days. Um, so he he's writing this saying uh, on Friday at 4 p.m. and saying, hey, by Monday morning, I gotta have a decision of whether we're gonna postpone this uh, and and he basically gets to go ahead and do that and 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 make that call. So he does it on his own. It looks like uh, yeah to to do that, which uh, uh, it, it's no wonder uh, that that that's what happened and and why they were upset. Right, um, questioning the procedure, of course, and and I think anybody would because again, it's not how typically it would happen. That that's right. Um, so if we go through the the lawsuit, we see that there's basically four arguments that the Cody neighborhood is is making to the LDS claims. Um, the the first response is that the LDS uh, church allege that the planning and zoning uh, board agreed with the city planners' interpretation of the height, meaning that the temple uh, that the 110 foot uh, steeple did not count as as part of the 30 foot overall height. That was the city planner made that interpretation uh, in, in order to, uh, to to get this through. Um, they voted on it, and now he says, "Oh, that's part of that's part of this." Um, so uh, this is some of the uh, uh, emails that uh, uh, are going about. Um, he said. Uh, I specifically asked that question at the meeting and Scott uh, Scott K said by accepting the cup, uh, the height exemption was still on the table to debate because I tried to motion to approve the CUP the, uh, with the ex exclusion of the height to be debated. He said, I didn't need to do that. If we inadvertently approved it because of legal counsel advice, I'm going to be pissed. I need to set up my email, damn it. Uh, so he's saying, we were told by by the city attorney um, that 
by voting on this that we could still go back and address the the steeple height. We were only voting for the the thirty foot height, and he says it looks you know like we were uh, lied to. Um, a, another one here uh, from one of the other members says, "Sorry for the Sunday text. You realize." We're being forced to vote in favor of the temple, or we need to be prepared to explain ourselves in court, according to Todd's report on June 22nd. What's the point of a planning and zoning board then? Scott K. also threw us under the bus by saying we could approve the CUP and that the SE application was a separate thing. Uh, th that's a special exemption for the temple. The video clearly states- And the CUP, just to be clear, is the conditional use permit. Yes. So they were they were comfortable voting on that and then leaving the height requirements for another time, but feeling like they're misled by the attorney and the city planner and kind of the vote is rushed through and they don't even know, did we vote for the, the just the permit? Did we vote for the height? They have no idea. Yeah, and, and he says the video clearly states him saying they could build a temple- but not the steeple if we mm -hmm. vote in favor of the of the CUP. Uh, then there's quite a lengthy one talking about the lights and the and the different things that that's on there. Uh, but this one is really telling. This email, this is between Matt Moss, who is the LDS, ex-LDS bishop who is on the planning and zoning committee. This is a text exchange between him and Todd the LDS city planner, the day after the vote happened. And it's clear that Matt, the LDS person, doesn't even know what he voted for. But he has read, he's read Todd's interpretation that we don't need a special exemption, therefore the, the temple passes with the, with the steeple on it. And, and so he's asking Scott this, and he says, did we pass the height of the temple as part of the findings in the uh, CUP last night, the conditional use permit? Like, then he said, like, uh, and, and then in quote, see yellow highlight in report, PZ already made a, so this, he's referring to the report that Todd had written that morning saying that, that they had passed it and that they didn't have to go back and look at the temple height because that was part of the CUP. It was approved with the temple height. Then he says to him, can they reverse that vote? So he's saying, can they go? Can the board go back now and reverse their vote? Uh, to or or is this a done deal? Did we vote to pass it? Is it approved with the height? <laughs> if you have to ask, and you're somebody who's voting, if you have to ask, did we vote? Did it happen? It means you're not informed and you're confused if you have to even ask that question. Yeah, even the guy's voting, uh, the guy voting for yeah, the temple. Is that's what confused. I mean. He didn't even know what happened and he's on the board who voted. Yes. And he says, that he. I asked Carson and Carson is the, the I guess, the president. Uh, Carson Rowley is the uh, head of the PNZ board, the, the, the senior member. He said, I asked Carson last night if I could reverse my vote to yes on the tabling of your interpretation, and he said I couldn't. So evidently there was a, a vote on whether they could table the interpretation that, that Todd had made of whether it was a steeple, and he had voted one way, and it didn't pass, and then he said, oh, I want to change my vote, and the guy said, no, no, you can't change your vote after we voted, and it's approved. So he said it would be wrong for them to be able to do the same if they made a mistake like I did and couldn't change my vote. So he said, well, I made a vote and couldn't change it. So now how can they change their vote? 
But in this case, they're not changing their vote. They're saying the vote we voted for didn't include your interpretation. Now you as the city planner is saying, no, it did. And your interpretation is that you did, even after you told us it it wasn't going to be. Uh, So that's the argument that they're making. Now, this is the really damning uh, response here to me. This is Todd responding back to Matt, both Mormons. And he says, Scott Todd is the city planner again. Todd, the city planner. He says, Scott K., who is the attorney, will need to make that call. I think I had inspiration to realize it as I was waking this morning and then had just enough time to do the report. When I finished, I had goosebumps from feeling the spirit. Oh, interesting. So evidently he had an inspiration or as some of the later emails say, he had a revelation during the middle of the night after the vote that I don't need to put this out for any more discussion. I can write the report and say that they approved it and that it's not needed. And now it's passed and they can't undo it. And it gave him goosebumps from feeling the spirit that he was able to manipulate the vote and, and, and turn it. Uh, that's, that's the way I read this. Uh, I don't know how else to read that, but this is the, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. This is the feeling that the board is getting. And now you're seeing texts going back and forth. Um, uh, this this is a, uh, on June 27th, an email goes out um, from uh, Andy Quick, who's the council president and planning and zoning liaison uh, to a guy named Barry, who's with the government. I'm not sure what his role is, but he says, Good morning, Barry. I'm sure you've been bombarded with information, emails, and visitors regarding the temple site plan, et cetera, coming up today, as have I. I want to go on the record as being very concerned about Todd's behavior regarding the whole temple project. You and I have spoken in person about his possible overreach and that while he may not stand to gain financially, he stands to gain or lose a great deal socially and or spiritually, depending on the result of this process. I believe he is too close to the project to be able to objectively address it without bias. As an example, I received a call from Carson Rowley yesterday. That is the uh, Planning Zoning Board senior member. He explained that Scott Kopicki, who is the lawyer, city lawyer, had just called him to tell him that Todd had a revelation of sorts and decided the site plan was actually settled and no longer needed to be on today's agenda which is the main reason why the meeting is taking place today. Carson said this action is putting the noose around his neck and he is very likely to resign at the meeting along with other board members who feel like this has been nothing more than political theater. So Todd told the city attorney, he had a revelation that uh, that it didn't need to go to the board. They were supposed to meet, have a meeting on whether this uh, tower was part of the thing or not. And, it sounds like the city uh, planner said, no, you don't need it. I've had a revelation. Uh, it's approved. And uh, that's how you voted. Um, it's a done deal. When it's approved from on high, it's a done deal. Exactly. Um, he said, I also feel that while Scott Kopicki may have the city's best interest in mind, he has advised the PNZ board that any vote in opposition 
will trigger a federal lawsuit and that the only vote is to approve. I heard him claim to Carson and others that the LDS Church is the most discriminated religious institution in America. Wow, more than the Jews or the That's Muslims. Uh, that uh, while he may be risk averse, his approach has not addressed Todd's boldness in his in this project and allowances for many double standards. I want you to be aware of these issues because today we could see a meltdown of our planning and zoning board and some real public backlash if this subject isn't allowed to be addressed publicly. I do feel like it is your responsibility to intervene and require the site plan to remain on the agenda, along with the re-examination of the cup that was on the agenda and is somehow removed. So he had removed it from the agenda for wow. discussion because he'd had a revelation that it had that it wasn't required. Um, so you can see um, uh, that there is a lot of animosity, a lot of bad feelings that they're feeling like they've been played and tricked and maneuvered. And we can see that it looks like Todd is communicating with the church and doing the church's bidding as his role as city planner, and that he's texting to the bishops and giving them information that is not supposed to be out to the public, yet he's giving it to the Mormon bishops to, to give to the Mormon wards while not putting it out to the Cody neighborhoods and others so that they have the same information. And he's not responding to the uh, to the zoning board's requests as to whether they have to do anything. Okay, the next item that they argue is the LDS incorrectly allege and intentionally mischaracterized that the proposed temple has a flat roof with the tower structure attached to the top of the roof. This came again from the city planner. The city planner said, that structure on top of the temple that's 110 feet tall does not count towards the height because it's considered a tower. And because it's considered a tower uh, and it's part of the roof and it's supported only by the roof, we don't, uh, it's, not, it's not considered part of the height. It's a standalone structure like the bell tower. Um, and so because we approved that, we now have to approve this height. So this was an argument that came from the city planner um, to the planning and zoning board. It's clear from this the really is the crux of it, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. The area yeah. is zoned for a 30 foot roof. So there it is. Yes. But and the uh, tower is 110, takes it up to 110. So the whole point is, oh, no, when you look at it, it really still is only 30 feet, <laughs> which, yeah, I have my own opinion on that. But that's the whole point. It's a standalone tower. It does not count as the height. It's as simple as that. But boy, is there a lot going on around that? Exactly. And and he's making that argument. But uh, it sounded like the planning and zoning board members weren't buying the argument. Right. Uh, in fact, uh, they go through and in here they actually have pictures of it um, uh, where they have gone through and the planning and zoning board went and looked at the Casper Temple, which was being built uh, evidently with the same uh, under the same plan. It's the same design as the Cody Temple. And they'd gotten pictures from the Casper Temple, which clearly shows that the uh, that the spire on the temple is all still structured down and built into the still structure of the temple itself. So part of the building, not freestanding on the roof, but actually an it integral goes all part the of the structure. And in the pictures, and I, I didn't show the pictures because it's a black and white copy. And so it, oh. it doesn't show up very good, but it's clear in the pictures 
that there is still, that it is all part of the still and is supported by the still and that the tower structure goes all the way to the ground and is supported on the ground is part of the main floor. It goes into the main floor, which means it's not supported on the roof, which means that the argument that uh, the city planner gave for why it didn't count towards the city height is absolutely not true. So <laughs> if the plans show that and that's the way it's built, it is it goes down into the first floor. It also says that there's openings so you can get up to change lights and stuff in there, which means it's an accessible space, which means it's not a tower. Uh, it's oh, it's an accessible space. And so that's uh, that's the argument that the uh, uh, that they are making uh, with this. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at a couple of these um, uh, different uh, comments here. Um, I, I want to read this one too. That is, um, uh, this is a citizen or a neighbor who makes a complaint to. Um, uh, I, I'm not. It's someone in the in the government here. His name's Andy. He says, Andy, I would like to request that Todd Stoll be removed from any decision-making capacity in regards to the LDS temple off of Skyline and Cody. Todd has a conflict of interest. What is best for Cody and what is best for the new temple? Todd has been coaching LDS on all processes to receive a CUP for the temple. Also, Todd has delayed LDS information to the Cody residents in a timely manner. Todd is an LDS member and stands to gain if the temple is allowed to be built off of Skyline. In the past, Todd has been a protector of building height restrictions, dark skies, reduction of traffic issues, and zoning designations. All four of the issues he has protected in the past will be violated if the temple is built off Skyline. Why? Todd has also intimidated local residents on the evening of Saturday, or intimidated local intimidated. residents. On the evening of Saturday, June 3rd, Todd approached a group off Skyline and started taking pictures of equipment and people during a demonstration. Todd was not being friendly, nor was he being a good neighbor. Those citizens felt intimidated, scared, violated, and unsafe. Why is a paid city planner taking pictures at 10.30 p.m. at a demonstration which is educating the public? Todd is paid to be a city planner. He is not paid to coach the LDS on the processes to get around CUP, lighting, building height, traffic burdens, and zoning. Has Todd ever helped any other group like he is helping the LDS? The answer is no. This situation is the definition of conflict of interest. Has Todd explained his interest in helping get the temple off of Skyline? Has Todd been asked if he has a conflict of interest? Please restrict Todd Stowell from any further interaction with the LDS temple. He is not acting in a professional manner befit for a city planner. See, that's very interesting to me because when they talk about how in the past, he has fought for dark skies, you know, height requirements, zoning um, adherence. And then we have that example of the Trinity Church sign that we showed where he seemed to have been saying, oh, this might not meet the requirement. This might be light. This might be too tall. It seems like there would be evidence that he has championed those things in the past and yet now is not. So that might be something interesting to look at. That's exactly true. Um the, the third one is the LDS incorrectly alleges that the International Building Code, the IBC, controls. Um, this is a claim that, uh, that again, Todd Stoll made uh, that the 110-foot uh, tower is not covered by the building codes, uh, and you have to follow the International Building Code. 
And uh, again, the the committee is not buying that argument, it seems. They're saying, no, we have Cody regulations that, that rule in this case uh, that say that you're restricted to hide in these areas. And that's the that's the ordinance we're following. We're following the city ordinances, not the International Building Code. And your interpretation that this meets the requirement of a tower and not of a structure uh, that you found in the IBC to try to argue that this should be there is just uh, ridiculous. And so they, they've got several comments on this where they address uh, this situation as well. Um, the the last one here is 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 pretty interesting. Um, th they say the LDS incorrectly raise or attempt to argue and rely upon RLU IPA. This is very interesting because this is a this is uh, what they are using at almost every temple site. Uh, they come and this is the this is the federal regulation uh, that they used to make the argument for. Uh, uh, that that since it's a church, they don't have to follow any of the building code regulations. And the church said, and if you don't pass this, we're going to sue you because you're violating uh, the RLUIPA. And the RLUIPA stands for Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act. And they're arguing that because we're a church, you're restricting our freedom of religion by refusing to let us uh, build in this area and that'll result in a federal lawsuit, which we will sue the city and force them into bankruptcy to fight us uh, because they're violating our First Amendment rights is basically what they're saying. You're violating the, the this uh, lawsuit. Well, they go on to explain um, what the requirements of the RLU IPA are. And they say the RLU IPA does not say that you just get to build a church wherever you want. It says the church Ha the church has to follow all of the zoning requirements in the areas where they build and that they that they can get around it if they can show that it's a substantial burden on the church so if to meet the codes is a substantial burden or it or it uh significantly constrains their religious beliefs so if that steeple is a requirement in order for us to worship God, we can't worship God in it unless we have a steeple above our head, then they might have an argument to, to make it, uh, because uh, you can't restrict that freedom. But that is not a requirement for this temple. Everything that they want to do can be done in a temple that's 30 feet tall and that's not lit to the hilt. You can have a <laughs> dimly lit temple and still do all of the requirements of your religious belief inside that building. And, and is it a burden of proof upon the religion to prove that they cannot practice their religion without that particular type of building that does not follow the zoning regulations or the codes? I would think it would be their burden of proof. <laughs> well, they'd have that. to show that there's a substantial burden on them right. and that, uh, that it, uh, right. that it uh, doesn't, that it prevents them from exercising their religious belief. In some ways, Cody, and there are temples that do not have a, a spire or a tower. And that's there that's are all LDS of the temples exhibits. that They've have got a the dome. Karsten Temple. They've uh -huh. got the uh, temple in Hawaii. Uh, mm -hmm. It does not have one. The Mesa Arizona Temple does not have a steeple. Mm -hmm. So they're saying you can absolutely come and build a temple that's thirty feet tall and that meets the lighting requirements in that area. And there's nothing we can say about it. 
But the fact is you're building something that doesn't meet the requirements. And therefore, unless you can show a substantial burden, that's not a requirement. And you can't make this argument under, under the law, under this RLUIPA. Uh, you, have to, you have to demonstrate that and you have not done that. And they point out that no court in any jurisdiction has ever found a zoning height restriction to be a substantial burden under RLUIPA. Um, so, uh, and then they go on to argue LDS temple builds can be short. Uh, you do not have to be uh, a long, uh, you know, tall building. You do not have to be lit. They could practice their religion in a building that that meets the zoning requirements. And if they need a taller temple as a requirement, then they just need to go and put it in a place that's zoned for the taller mm -hmm. temple. Then they then there's no issue. But exactly. it's not allowed in a residential neighborhood. So that's the argument that is being made in the briefs. Uh, that's the arguments that are that are uh, coming out. So I want to go to the last. There, there, there's hundreds of these emails, yeah. uh, and and so I'm sorry it's a <laughs> little confusing because they much. were all over in these different exhibits, and I'm trying to tie them and make them make sense. And I know I didn't do such a good job on some of these. <laughs> But you did a great job. Key, Are you kidding? There's the key, so much to cut through. The key issue is you can see what's happening here that the that uh, it that the argument is that we were manipulated by someone who had a conflict of interest who should have recused yes. themselves and did not. And uh, they've been working with the group that was trying to get the temple made behind our backs and without without uh, exposing that and the records release was able to prove that. And this is the last email that I want to show. Uh, this is an email, um, uh, and, and I'm going to read it here. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if this is illegal. I believe it is, uh, but I, 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 don't, I, I can't say. So uh, I, I can't say that this is guilty or not, but it's, it's certainly a very, very poor form uh, to do this. Uh, this is a text from uh, Glenn Nelson to Todd Stoll, the city planner. Glenn Nelson is the person who owned the property that donated it to the temple. He's the one who owns the business where the temple is currently stored. He's an heir to the, for the Husky fortune, the person who started uh, Husky Oil. Um, and... So obviously a big proponent for the temple going in this location. And he says, hey, Todd, I imagine you're bombarded with temple details and resistance. I just wanted to say thanks again for your work and give my apologies for how so many in our community act and what they say, which I mostly tune out and hope you do too. As a compliment and sincere comment, I want you to know that if your work has any fallout, you would be welcome as a real estate manager or project manager on our team the next day. God bless, Glenn. Uh, to tell the city planner who's making the, you know, who who is supposed to be representing the city and 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 being neutral, that hey, thanks for all the work you're doing to get this temple through. And by the way, if this all goes to crap, I've got a job waiting for you. Uh, as a real estate manager, a project manager on our team. Uh, certainly not ethical. I don't know uh, about uh, uh, illegal or not, but uh, we'll let the, the, I guess, the courts or whoever uh, follow that. So 
again, I don't know. I'm not an expert on that, but <laughs> that sure doesn't seem kosher to me. Uh, to, to yeah, allow. I have a feeling other people will be weighing in on this because this has all been filed. And I think there'll be articles coming out on this that have, you know, that'll be analyzing this. But it seems like the person who wrote the email recognizes that what Todd is doing is difficult as far as what people are starting to ascertain is happening, right? And that there might be fallout. There might be people that are not happy with what he's doing. And so sounds like he's trying to reassure him, you'll be okay because you're doing the right thing. So that's kind of how I read it. But I think I think people will will analyze this and, and there'll be more coming out about that. I, I agree. I think he's trying to say, hey, Todd, don't worry about it. You know, yeah, you're, don't you're worry. my ward or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know this is tough. Hang in there. Uh, but this is, at, you know, we we just saw uh, this is in July that this went through. So this is after he's done all of these things that we just read about in the emails. And, and he's saying, you know, great job getting that through. Now, I wonder if that same position would have been open for him had he not done all these extras to get the temple uh approved in in his interpretation that's what the whole court case is about is whether it really was approved or not by the planning and zoning board so this really opens up a lot of ideas because we were confused we're like how do they not know what they passed um right and this what is they what they voted on yeah, yeah they, they voted on it and they thought that they were going to be able to come back and revisit it and then the city planner said no you don't get to go back and vote on it because the way I laid it out, it didn't include that, uh, that exemption wasn't part of what you voted on. Therefore you approved the plan as is. Ha ha ha. Uh, it seems to be the, was the, that in the email? Ha ha ha. The, 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 ha, ha, ha. Yeah, <laughs> probably a laughy emoji or something. I don't know. Something. Oh my but, goodness. No, There's so much to wade through here. There's just yeah, so much. They, these, uh, and there were a lot of emails like this. I was just reading these emails going, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Now, granted, we're only seeing the one side, uh, exactly. you know, with the emails, uh, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, that, you know, that sure seems like there's a lot of things happening there that shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be happening. Uh, and, and that's problematic. Um, in yeah. fact, we heard and again, further analysis, right. Further analysis from, from other people that are going to take a objective look at it and, and I'm, more information will be coming out, I'm sure. Yeah. But this is worth diving into if you're, mm -hmm. uh, if you're in the Cody area, uh, this is worth diving into and finding out. Uh, was our city planner acting in uh, the city's interest or the church's interest as part of this process? Uh, that's a question that uh, that they're raising in the lawsuit, and uh, it's going to be interesting to follow. So we'll follow that. So, okay, we're uh, we're on to Heber uh, at this point. So. And you're muted, Rebecca, so. Gosh, I'm sorry. Somebody was watching a game at my house and just yelled very loudly. So I thought that wasn't appropriate and right in the middle of a temple update. So I'm muted. <laughs> so I was saying, did we already get through Cody? And I know it was just scratching the surface there. I think, like you said, there's so much more to dig into, but we're just trying to do an update. And now we are moving on to, at the very same time, the Heber Valley Temple, uh, which is having its own scenario and situation, isn't it? It is, and this one is important again because uh, today, uh, Wednesday, uh, uh, is a vote uh, on the on the uh, temple site plan uh, by the county commission. Uh, 
Uh, they've had to move, move it to the county library uh, because so many people are attending it. And so uh, this is a, a big day. And again, uh, the reason that we want to bring this up and the reason we want to get this out is, is because it, a lot of the same arguments that we just saw in the Cody uh, Temple case, uh, you're going to see come up from the uh, community there in Heber Valley. We just saw the uh, letter uh, that the attorney is going to be sending to the city council uh, in Heber or the county county council um, mm -hmm. before they vote, uh, outlining many of the very same arguments that the that the Cody people have made. Um, this temple is way uh, bigger than the uh, Cody one. This is the proposed site. We were able to go to Heber uh, a couple months ago, a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the, the land where it's going to go. Uh, you can see it's in a residential. Uh, there's residential houses all around it. And uh, the church owns the site. And then they have rights to the dairy farm next to it mm -hmm. uh, that they can then build houses on that once the temple's built. Uh, so it is going to be in a residential area. Uh, the trees there are about 70 feet tall uh, that you see in the picture. The temple is going to be 210 feet <laughs> I tall. love this graphic right here. This is incredible. If this doesn't give you perspective, I don't know what does. <laughs> yep. And this is the Tucson, Arizona temple. And you can see it doesn't have a tall spire. It's got more of a dome. Uh, they were Right. And the Tucson, Arizona temple in this graphic is inside of the Heber Valley proposed temple. That's you correct. You can see That's that there, 88,000 square feet. That's right. You can see that it nestles inside of it. And then as you look further down, you can see um, there's the Heber Valley town hall, absolutely dwarfed, does not even come up to the beginning of the tower. And then you can look in the very, very left corner. There's a teeny tiny little person. You really just can't even get a sense of how big this is unless you go and visit like we did last week or I guess a couple weeks ago, the Linden, Utah Temple or the Layton Temple. Is that the one, Landon? Yep, yeah, these are the similar size and similar design. And you really just it's almost incomprehensible how large these temples are. It, you have to go visit one. That's right. And again, <laughs> if you're you in the area, go plan, look. And when you put something that large in that valley, it will be seen from everywhere uh, yeah. in the valley uh, because it's going to tower over everything else. And nothing else is really allowed to be built that tall because this is, uh, what, uh, six times the height that is allowed in this area. I think uh, so. It's two times larger feet. than the White House, I think, or yeah, is it 60% larger, two times larger than the Taj Mahal? They've done some comparisons to try to wrap your head around how big it's going to be. Yeah. And and this is an 18 acre site. They could yeah. keep it at under 30 feet if they spread it out rather than built it up. If oh, they spread it out like a Walmart, <laughs> you, could, you could make it 30 feet and maintain the yeah. zoning requirements. But the church is, the church... We know owns politics in Utah, and <laughs> they're going to push the city council or the, the county council to accept this. And they've got some, and they'll be successful. We all know it's a 50% LDS community. Uh, most of the board members are all going to be LDS. Uh, uh, the church is over, is doing an end run around that, getting this legislative 
district uh, in place so that they can get special exemptions uh, without going through the regular rules. Um, th th they're, you know. Uh, oh, and I was going to say, we have covered more about Heber in past um, podcasts where we talked more about some of the workarounds and some of the things that got passed very quickly. Um, so if you want to revisit those, we'll put links to that. But um, one thing about the Heber Temple is that because its height is so extreme and it's right in the flight path to land at the Heber Airport, is that the, I don't think there is actually an Angel Moroni on this an temple. Yeah, I will say that. Fire. This is just yeah. me being funny there's just a spire but you know there will have to be a red and, and there's a question the citizens opposing that location say it will be flashing according to faa regulations um the church has put out information saying it will not be flashing but it's going to be a red light that has to be up on the spire that has to be lit at certain times of the night and so anyway i just went on to ai and i said moroni on a temple with an faa regulation <laughs> flashing light and this is what came out i love ai so yeah anyway i thought that was funny i like the golden plane flying over over moroni <laughs> no this yeah they're all kinds of different issues and the church in their letter addresses this and says oh we comply with all faa regulations there'll be a you know red light on top uh, to comply with the law um it, it won't affect uh the uh the community and it's like this was a dark sky community yeah. you're now got uh, and these lights are flashing so the aircraft can see them for miles away. So whether right. it's flashing or steady, that is what you're going to see when you look up in the sky now in this area. Mm. You're not going to see the mountain sky and the that you that you're used to. You're now going to see a glowing white temple with a red light sticking up in the middle of your of, of your beautiful valley. If that's what you want, you know, but there's a lot of people in your valley who that's not what they want. They don't want that. That's right. And I guess you did mention the letter. And I think we talked a little bit about this in our last podcast about, about Heber. But um, the church did send out a letter um, through the stake email system. And it's called a letter to the residents of Wasatch County, although it did go to members. But a, a lot of people kind of got a hold of it. And it basically um, had some concerns and then the church's response to it and in our last podcast we kind of went through a little bit um but we didn't have any original documentation or anything for what they were saying so we didn't really read everything um the co the i said cody residents the heber residents i'm trying to keep track um have since put out a re a response to that where they go through one at a time the different concerns that are brought up in the church letter of course it's you know pumping the millions of gallons of water away it's the dark skies it's the size it's the listening to the residents you know it's things like that so they kind of have traffic. a point by point where they go what did you say the traffic uh the traffic yes so thank you for reminding me the traffic so anyway we're going to link both of these letters in the show notes because people had requested that last time they would like to read both because again the whole point of what we're saying is go look into this in your own city. You can get information. You can read points of view. You can talk to people from the citizens group. You can talk to people from the church. You know, let's be informed. Let's figure out what's going out on our own. So we're going to put both of these letters in the show notes and encourage you um, to go through to read the church's response and the response to the response. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, one thing uh, keep in mind is, you know, the church has this power that it can just send out letters to the, you know, uh, at a touch of an email to 
the tens of thousands of people. Uh, the Cody neighbor or the uh, uh, Heber Valley uh, residents uh, <laughs> groups do not have that capacity to put those out uh, on that scale. Um, and and uh, you know I I've we've been dealing with the church, and one of the things we do is we fact check. Uh, you know, a lot of people say you're anti-Mormon, you're you're against the church. No, we we no. fact check the church. That's what we're mm -hmm. what we're doing. And a lot of the comments in the church's letter uh, are technically accurate, but they're not telling you the whole story. Um, for instance, they they say um, on uh, dark skies that they comply with all the dark sky requirements. What they don't tell you is they changed all the dark sky requirements uh, to accommodate the temple so that they could comply with them. Uh, they do not meet the dark sky requirements that were in place uh, prior to them changing them all. Um, for 20 years. For 20 years. As, they as had soon a dark as the temple sky. came up on the docket uh, petition, the county changed them. Yeah. So yes, yeah. they do comply now to the new uh, ordinances. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's other things like the water where they give a, a well, this is, you know, what is being said is not true. Here's what's really going to happen. Yet they don't have to put out any information so nobody can fact check it. So right. they can say this is what's going to happen. They're saying we'll put out our plan when we're required to. Well, the requirement is they only have to put it out one week before the, the hearing. So the Cody or the uh, Heber Valley residents only have one week to look at this and make an argument before it goes to the to the county for a vote. Now, how are they supposed to get that level, something that complicated and read it and understand it and have a response in one week's time where the church has had a year to put together uh, a plan and they know what's going to happen, but the, the residents don't. So the residents are saying, that's why they're saying you need to delay this and you need to give us time and you need to open it up to hearings. And we put out a, we propose that you give us a hearing and they've said, no, they said, that's a great idea on all future projects. We're going to allow a hearing, <laughs> but we're not going to allow it this time. Not this one, but going not forward. That's time. right. It, and then you had an interesting observation about the traffic too. I thought that was kind of fascinating. You, you dug into that a little bit more. Well, I didn't, but some of the some of the residents there had looked right. into the traffic study, and it turns out that the traffic study was done with data given to them by the church. Nobody went out and and did any, you know, uh, independent you know, put the box with the thing and seeing how yeah. many cars are, are running through it. They used data that was provided from the church that the church provided, supposedly based off of the Bountiful Utah Temple. Uh, which is on top of a hill at the end of a road. Uh, so uh, the, the, there's some conflicts in that. Like they say, there'll only be like 200 cars a day, yet it's got a 400 car parking lot uh, on the temple. How is it only in, gonna increase 200 cars? So they've brought up the traffic concerns and even talked to uh, the people who signed off on the, the traffic uh, uh, report and evidently, uh, they're saying, well, we just reviewed the information and approved it. We didn't look at how the study was done um, and what how the data was gotten. So again, the residents are saying, we want this reviewed and we want to dig in and see if this is, is accurate or where this information came from. That's what they're asking for. They're saying, we want accurate information and count, 
county, you, you owe it to everyone to take your time to make sure this is done right and to make sure that the same thing that seems to be happening in Cody through the emails isn't happening here, that every voice is heard and that everyone has it, that nobody is pushing things through because of their religious faith and not because of the the laws and the and the uh, uh, codes, uh, building codes mm -hmm. in the area. Yep. I think that I think that's exactly what they're asking. Yep, that's exactly right. Okay, sometimes people send us emails <laughs> that come to them in their stake. So this was kind of an interesting one. I don't know if we need to read the whole thing. What do you think, Landon? Do we need um, to read the whole thing? No, Maybe just uh, part of it. Yeah, uh, basically, let's let's just read that uh, last part there. They're sending it out and encouraging people to show their support for the temple uh, mm -hmm. and sending this to their members. Um, and of course, uh, you know, that's fine. Uh, you know, if you're going to say, you know, go and, and have your voice heard and, and say, you know, what your thoughts are on the temple at, at your uh, county commission meeting, I think all groups do that. Um, but it, it's interesting. They say, we invite any church members who live in Wasatch County and are in favor of the temple to allow their voice to be heard during this process so the temple project can be approved and construction can begin. Um, hmm. So they, <laughs> you know, they invite members who are in favor of the temple to allow their voice to be heard. They don't say anything about any members who aren't in favor of the temple going into this mountain, you know, beautiful mountain valley. Uh, I guess they're just supposed to keep their mouth shut um, and not say anything. Uh, so uh, it's very manipulative. Uh, you know, my understanding is that churches aren't allowed to uh, take positions on, uh, you know, government uh, actions. Uh, you know, now this is involving a church, so there may be some workaround. But uh, to, to basically say, oh, if you're in favor, go go show support for the for the temple. Uh, but if you're not, you know, keep your, you know, it's, it's like you said, the whistling, uh, uh, whistling whittlers, whistling whittlers. Yep. <laughs> that's funny. Well, and they do in the letter, they tell you where you can write and give support. And then they do say, you know, be involved in the process and respect all opinions. So of course they say that, you know, if you're going to go to these meetings, make sure that, you know, you respect every voice because there are lots of differing opinions. But this email says to me, you know, we want to have a united front with the same opinion. Yeah. Not surprising in its of itself. Uh, but again, it just shows. Uh, so this is the this is the last thing. And and uh, because, you know, we've got to get this out. tonight. <laughs> so we got to We got to make it kind of quick. Uh, you want to talk about this one, Rebecca? Yeah, and then I'll let you read it because again, everybody goes, why don't you use your reading glasses? I'll tell you the screen I'm looking at is like that big. I'm not kidding. Like nobody could read this. I dare anybody to try to read it. But uh, basically, this is something else that was sent to me and it's an invite um, to the youth of the stake. Why don't you go ahead and read that, Landon? Yeah, it says, dear youth and youth leaders of the Old Mill Stake, we've been made aware of a special gathering of youth in the Heber Valley to show support of the Heber Valley Temple. This gathering will happen on Wednesday, October 25th at 4.30 p.m. The location of this gathering will take place on the grassy area next to the Senior Citizen Center. See attached. Several food trucks will cater ice cream, pizza, soda, and snacks for the youth. 
This is an extraordinary opportunity for our youth and youth leaders to gather and show their support and excitement for the temple. We are inviting all of our youth and youth leaders to participate in this special event. We recognize that this may present a conflict with current plans, but if feasible, will be a rare and memorable gathering for our youth in Heber Valley. Come if you can, we love you, your stake presidency. <clears throat> so this is at the same time, an hour before the vote, and it's in the same location in Heber, which is very interesting. And I also wonder, we've been made aware of a special gathering. I don't know who is putting on the special gathering or, or anything like that, but it sounds like it's it's going to be a party <laughs> right there where everybody's coming in and news and everybody's going into the building to, you know, participate. And they're basically saying, cancel all your other youth activities, get your youth to the uh, to this park to to show so that everybody walking into the the meeting has to walk through our thousand youth and will be overwhelmed by the overwhelming support that the youth have for this temple being built when they're really there for the food trucks the pizza the ice cream and the snacks uh <laughs> it does sound fun like i think i might go I, no i'm not gonna go but you know going. what it's it, we did talk about going, but no, we're not. The, the only problem is it says um, that uh, it's an it's uh, an opportunity for those who support it. So evidently, oh, if you don't okay. support it, you don't get the ice cream or the uh, pizza or soda. It appears so. Well, and I wonder though. I mean, the youth will be outside, and this I think is across the street from where it's all happening. Um, I just wonder if they'll even be aware that there's this civic process going on. Is that part of the point of this? That they're going to learn something about the civic process or how the city works? I, that wasn't really clear on that. It just seems kind of like a, a fun gathering. Well, we were we were told by the citizens groups up there that uh, when they went to the last one, uh, the church had all their members come in and they took up the whole top floor uh in the that's right in the meeting and they had to go downstairs and watch it that's on right. tvs because that's the church right. basically just orders all their members to come out and like this you know cancel all your events everybody be there uh oh we'll even bribe you to be there to come show the support uh while while the citizen group is relegated to the basement uh, hmm. uh, on their saying. So uh, the citizens group does have a letter coming from uh, the uh, an attorney uh, outlining, uh, because the important thing to remember is that this the, the, the county commission's responsibility is to represent all of the people, not hmm. the LDS people, regardless of whether they're LDS or not, they're there to represent all of the people and not the majority of the people. So it shouldn't matter how many people are there supporting this because the commission's job is to look at the codes and to enforce the codes. These people bought their house in residential areas, zoned to certain heights, expecting that everyone was gonna be playing by those same rules. So when the county says, oh, six times, seven times higher than everybody else, well, you're, you're my faith and uh, that temple's important to me. So throw yeah. all the rules out, move on in. <laughs> uh, you know, that's not what the commission's job is. The commission's job is to look at the rules and say, are you in compliance or not? And if they're not in compliance, they shouldn't be building there. And they should say, go down the street into downtown or wherever allows the 200 foot limit and build it there. And if there's nowhere that allows a 200 foot limit, then build your temple less than 200 to, to whatever height exactly. the, 
it's zoned for. We're just asking you to play by the same rules as everybody else. You don't get special, you don't get special treatment simply because you're a religion. Because other people, to them, that beautiful night sky, that beautiful valley view is why they moved there. It's why they invested their entire their, their life savings, their retirement savings into their home to move into this valley to have that. And because one group says, oh, our temple's more important than your night sky, we get to destroy your night sky. It, that, that, that's just wrong. Um, and, and the church needs to start considering the neighbors when they build these, yeah. these temples. They need to start looking at the, at the, at the codes because we're seeing from these emails that it doesn't appear that they're that they're uh behaving in a christian manner that you would expect people to behave when they're when they're building in a neighborhood and they uh, have neighbors that are going to care about this yeah i think that's true do we have one final slide i think we do have a final one and i think it's uh i think what you described is happening in both cody and heber and that's why it's so interesting to watch both of them with, with exactly what you said, consideration for communities, consideration for neighbors, consideration for people. Now in Cody, um, the LDS members are not the majority yet. They're positioned <laughs> where they're able sort of to act and perhaps push things through um, a voting process as if they were the majority. And in Heber, I think it's probably about half and half. And so you do, you just see these dynamics happening um, and you wonder if there's concern for how things will be after the temple is built, regardless of where it's built, you know, community relations. Is there any thought for that ahead of time? You know, do you want to come out of this with a building, but, you know, the residents are just horrified at, at the process and the treatment. I don't think that's probably probably what they want. And and I don't know if they realize that may be what's happening. But especially in, in Cody, where the LDS uh, church is a minority, um, boy, we see a lot of people confused and very, wouldn't you say, distraught over what is happening yeah. and not understanding what this organization is. And seeing the church I, I just, talk out of both sides of their mouth, they're saying, yeah. "Oh, we want you to participate in this," and then uh, they they sue you uh, when they yeah. when you try to say this isn't right or we want to make changes. Um, you see, uh, we we see that same thing uh, happening with the Tulsa Temple um, that just got announced. Oh. You know, the church in in this write up, they said you should educate yourself and become. Uh, knowledgeable on on these issues well in tulsa they wrote a letter to the community saying uh we just announced the temple do not tell your neighbors where it's at yeah, to the lds community they yeah said. to the lds yeah. community there's no reason to share any information we will put it out when we're ready to put it out well right. how do you educate yourself when there's no information to educate <laughs> yourself with yeah, I was confused by that letter because as soon as you tell somebody not to talk about something, everyone goes, what is it? Why? What, Why what are, are we, we not, not supposed to talk about? about? You know, so yeah, definitely drew attention. So I don't know. I, I think you do see that. I just, you know, and, and the residents that we're dealing with in both cities are not LDS. Um, 
although there are LDS supporters of, you know, relocating the temple in both places, but the ones that we're dealing with directly are not LDS. And they didn't know a lot about the LDS church prior to this. And it's been really interesting to just watch them sort of start out by saying, you know, we're all Christian. We all have our own denominations. We'll work this out. And then to get to this point where they're, they just don't even know what hit them. They don't even know what's happening. They, I remember that the Hebrew residents, when we first started talking to them, they talked about that initial meeting where some planners had come from the church and they had their citizens group and they had a lot of information and questions. And they went to this meeting at a state president's house and they said, we felt completely unheard. And at the very end, they just said, well, we are going to do what we're going to do. So I think it might be a way of operating that worked in the past, but I don't know if it works so well now because there's free flow of information everywhere. People are aware and people know how to voice their concerns and they're very civic minded and they're very concerned about their city and the legacy of the city. This is what we hear from both residents group is that you know, once this is built, it's there forever. It changes mm -hmm. everything, which is why they're trying so hard, you know, to protect the land. These are both pristine areas. That's the difference. And I think both of us have said before, I live right next to a temple. It fits in perfectly to the landscape. There was never any pushback on it. It met all the zoning requirements and the traffic, everything was fine. You live next to several temples and there they are. You don't think twice about it, but you know, I would just suggest go into an area, find out what the community wants. Where will this be, you know, an asset to the community instead of something that that causes these problems and divisiveness? So, well, they they they've built these things to be showy, and that's it. Yeah, and that's the problem to me. Build a temple, go worship in a temple. It doesn't have to be this showy that everyone has to see it and it has to stand above every other uh structure that anyone makes someone had said these are not for show uh to to me uh, the, uh on one of our text messages and i drove from layton to, uh down to uh to uh, uh your house or uh and on that i, right. I counted i pat i could see six or seven different temples off of i-15 between layton and utah county now, I didn't see seven bars. I didn't see seven other churches. I didn't see uh, liquor stores. They're not built that gaudy, but I saw these temples. They're built to be seen, and, and that's where people are going. Build it in to fit with the rest of the community, but you trying to make this stand out and break every code that everyone else has to apply for so that you can have your special religious exemption that's what's ticking people off. Uh, it is. Build at the size, light at the same as other buildings, and that's, you fit in. Yeah. And then it'll be a welcome part of the community. Exactly. Yeah. Like the temple I live right next to, you know, it is pretty. It is over there. It's not bothering anybody at all. And and people love it. So there was a a, a little bit of a thought here in that letter that they sent out to Heber to kind of address some of the concerns. I thought this was interesting. It kind of sums up what we've been saying. Um, it's an answer to the concern. Why won't the church listen to the concerns of residents and build a temple in another location or make it smaller and shorter? 
So the church knows that's a concern. And this letter that they sent to Heber, they're going to address this concern, that question. And so they say um, it's massing and steeple, talking about the temple, is an architectural expression of religious faith and is intended to draw the religious adherent skyward toward the divine, right? And I've heard this before from other people. It has to have a tower. It has to, because in our eyes, that you know, makes us think of the divine. Then it says a temple is considered a sacred and holy place by the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is true. And the church reserves the right to design the temple for the purpose it is built to unite families for eternity through gospel ordinances. Well, and that's interesting to me. The church reserves the right. Well, there are many other people in the community that also reserve the right to appreciate and worship in their way too. So again, it's sort of a can't we all get along, don't you think, Landon? That that's an SEC response right there, where they basically say, we don't have to follow the law because we're a religion. We get to do whatever we want. Um reserve the right to build the temple. Just make it fit the zoning requirements. What right. you're doing isn't reserving the right to, you can design it, design it to the requirements of the area you're building it in. I was just in Philadelphia, saw the Philadelphia temple. It's there with a bunch of other high, there's high rise buildings around it. It does not stick out. It it's blends in with the rest of the city. You built it in the right place. That's all anyone's mm -hmm. asking. Build it yeah. in the right place where it's zoned yeah. for. You don't get a special exemption just because you claim that God told you to, because the rest of the world doesn't believe God told you to build that building. You're just building a building and it needs to conform. That's what they're asking. Wow. There it is. Landon has said it. Well, let's end by um, telling all of our listeners and viewers how they can support the citizens group if they would like to. So with Cody um, on Facebook, you can go to Preserve Our Cody Neighborhood. It's a Facebook page and they have all kinds of information there. Um, how to donate. That's a big part of it. Because as we said before in Cody, the city has stepped back from everything. It's it's just a done deal for the city. And so it's a residence group themselves that are funding all of this um, to see if they can hopefully facilitate some changes and have the temple built in a more appropriate spot. So preserve our Cody neighborhoods. And then, um, and we'll put links to all this in the show notes. Um, for Heber, um, there is, let's see, Heber Temple Info is a Facebook page and also Wasatch, dang it, now I'm going to forget. What is it, Landon? Wasatch, uh, Dark, Wasatch Sky. Dark Skies. We'll put it all in the, in the links. And you can just reach out to us if you'd like to know how to support either of these groups. Have we forgotten anything, Landon? <laughs> There'll be, a, like Landon yeah. said, we, we just got the letter um, that the Heber, sorry, Yes, the Heber residents are going to be presenting to the county today. And so we just got that, what will be last night. We're kind of talking in the future. So we didn't have a time to go through that entire thing, but it does address a lot of these concerns. So I'm sure we'll be doing another update. Um, but please um, comment. Tell us what you think. Um, are you in Cody? Are you in Heber? Do you have any um, anything that you're involved in as far as any of these are concerned? What are your thoughts about this? It's a very touchy issue. And I understand surrounding the temple, it really is. But our concern is just, you know, let's have every voice be heard. Wouldn't you say that's what it is, Landon? You know, Absolutely. let's work together yeah. as a community and find a place where this temple will be 
you know, cherished by everyone in the community and be an asset to the community instead of something that becomes very divisive as far as the means that that it was built. So um, please like and subscribe. If you would like to be made aware of when new episodes come out, you can hit the notification bell. And if you would like to support Mormonish podcasts financially, we have links to PayPal and Venmo in the show notes. And we certainly appreciate all of you who do uh, donate to us. We absolutely love you guys. We love all our viewers and our listeners. And we'll be back again with another update at some point, won't we, Landa? I think we need to take a nap first. Though. I think so. I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, we got to do something. This is getting to be too much, this late night podcasting. We have dark circles under our eyes. Oh my gosh. So, all right. Thanks everybody for Mormonish. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.